Radio, the nation's identity station. Again, my name is Peter Salemi, and I am pastor and president of the British Israel Church of God. Glad you could join us today on our live radio broadcast. And, of course, it is a Feast of Tabernacles time, and hopefully you've had so far a wonderful festival season with the Feast of Trumpets and, of course, the Day of Atonement that just passed us, a day, a time of fasting, a time when the tabernacle of Israel was cleansed because it was the climax of the year where the sins had to be removed from the tabernacle because when the sins, the sacrificial offerings were deposited in the tabernacle, it would actually defile the tabernacle because the sins were transferred to the sacrifice and then the blood was shed and that blood would defile the sanctuary with its the sins of the person so on the day of the atonement it was the time when the tabernacle had to be cleansed and it was the climax of the year when the sins of Israel were to a point of climax where God had to actually remove the sins from the tabernacle so that was the why uh, the Day of Atonement took place, one of the reasons why. Now, the reason is us to fast, to cleanse our bodies, physically and also spiritually, that we must learn that man must not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And that is the reason for the Day of Atonement. And, of course, the Feast of Trumpets we talked about. We also talked about uh, the trumpet blasts and what it means for the Christian, the resurrection of the saints, talked about dying going to heaven and one of the common questions I got about that challenge that I made to people about dying and going to heaven do you really die when you go to heaven now it's not my problem that the Bible does not say does not have these following phrases when we die we go to heaven heaven is the reward of the saved we will all meet in heaven I will meet my parents in heaven. It's not my fault that the Bible doesn't directly say, when we die, your soul goes up into heaven. You cannot find the immortal soul in the Bible. Now, I heard you read my booklet, You Shall Surely Die. And it will go through all the scriptures for you to show you that when we die, we're dead. The Bible says we are asleep and that we are resurrected at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, one of the most common ones I got in the emails was the one about the thief on the cross. That's the most common one of them all, where people say, well, didn't Jesus say to the thief on the cross, today you shall be with me in paradise? And that's in Luke, the 23rd chapter, verse 43. Now, we have to look at the whole thing. People just take that one scripture out and leave out the whole conversation that happened between the thief and Jesus Christ. It says here that the thief was talking about how we are receiving due the reward for our deeds in verse 41. In verse 42, he says to Jesus, he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when you come in to your kingdom. Now, what is the kingdom? The Jews knew what the kingdom was. It was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to be set up where? On earth. The meek, Matthew the fifth chapter says, shall inherit the earth. We are to inherit the kingdom of God. We are to inherit eternal life. Isaiah, the eleventh chapter. Let's turn there quickly. 
Isaiah the 11th chapter. And it describes the second coming of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. It says in verse 1, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. This is, of course, talking about Christ. And the spirit of the eternal shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the eternal. And he shall make him a quick understanding, and in the fear of the eternal he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth notice this is on earth and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked you could also read this in revelation the 19th chapter verse 15 and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins the wolf shall dwell with the lamb is this up in heaven are wolves, you know, nipping at clouds there? And lambs nipping at clouds up in heaven? No. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The very nature, ravenous nature of animals, dangerous animals, is going to change. They're going to become vegetarians. The suckling child shall play in the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Now, holy mountain means the kingdom of God. Isaiah 2, Daniel 2, 35 through 45 explains that clearly. That's the kingdom of God. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the eternal as the waters cover the sea. Clearly, the kingdom of God is going to be on this earth. So, when he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, the kingdom of God is going to be on this earth. And then Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, and this is how they read it, Verily I say unto you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. This is how people read that verse. But you see, the new translations, because they believe that when you die you go to heaven, put the old comma there in front of today, so it reads, Verily I say unto you, today, or they put it in front of thee rather, today you shall be with me in paradise. Because they believe that when you die you go to heaven, even though no scripture absolutely uh, proves that when you die you go to heaven. Now, first of all, what is the paradise in the Septuagint version of the Bible the paradise means the kingdom of God and that's what the paradise means obviously the thief on the cross says remember me when you come into your kingdom and he says today you shall be with me in paradise that's what Jesus said so paradise and the kingdom if you look at the Septuagint version of the Old Testament literally meant the same thing. Now, if you look at the translation of the Bible from the Greek or the Aramaic, it should say this. This is from the concordant literal translation of the New Testament. It said, Jesus said unto him, Verily I, say, I am saying to you today, with me you shall be in paradise. 
See, that's an expression all over the Bible. Verily I am saying unto you today, I'm saying to you at this moment, you shall be with me in the paradise, or you shall be with me in the kingdom of God. And where is the kingdom of God? It's going to be set up on this earth. When? At the second coming of Jesus Christ. How is he going to inherit the kingdom of God? The Bible says we shall be resurrected and inherit the kingdom of God. This is what this scripture means. I'll show you another translation of it. In the Aramaic, and let me just scroll down here and take a look at the Aramaic uh, version of it. It says again, in the Aramaic sources, it renders it this way from George M. Lamsa. Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise, or the kingdom of God. That's how it should be rendered. But the new translations like the RSV, the NIV, these are people who believe that when you die, you go to heaven. So they put it in the Bible as, Verily I say unto you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. And it shouldn't be read that way. When you look at it from the original Greek and Aramaic, it's simply an expression, Verily I am saying unto you today, and of course you find that all over the Bible, You shall be with me in paradise. Here is another question I like to offer to you. Did Jesus lie to the thief on the cross? Now what do I mean by that? Do you remember after the resurrection and Mary Magdalene saw Jesus and she went to go touch him and Jesus said unto him, he said, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended unto my Father. That's in John, the 20th chapter, verse 17. And this is three days and three nights later. If he didn't ascend unto the Father till three days and three nights later, did he lie to the thief on the cross when he said, I say unto you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. That is a clear contradiction, isn't it? Jesus lied to the thief on the cross, didn't he? If he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise, yet three days and three nights later he said to Mary Magdalene, don't touch me, I have not yet ascended unto my Father. Which is the truth? I always say that your own ideas and own beliefs, you try to work into the Bible you will get nothing but contradictions with Scripture. And you will see Scripture and Scripture contradict because we try to read our own ideas into the Bible. Now when you look at it to what the Bible really says, there is no contradiction. The thief on the cross didn't go to heaven. Jesus did promise him a place in the kingdom of God which takes place at the resurrection and there is no contradiction and Jesus didn't lie to the thief on the cross when he said, Touch me not, I have not yet ascended unto my Father three days and three nights later. Jesus didn't lie. Jesus is God. He can't lie. So it's obvious that the thief didn't go to heaven. And when we truly understand what Jesus was saying to the thief on the cross, there is no way you can read into this scripture that when you die... You go to heaven. 
Let's go to commercial break. We'll be back with more on British Israel Radio. Hey, hey, have you heard the latest? Well, people don't exactly stop by and shoot the breeze with a tax collector. <laughs> yeah, that uh, skimming off the top doesn't make hey, you a lot hey, of friends. You want to talk here? To, what's <laughs> the big news? Well, and by the way, this is Tell not me. gossip. I saw hey. it with my own eyes. Right. Zacchaeus mm-hmm. met Jesus. Really? And is a new man. You mean he's not a cheating tax man uh-uh. anymore? He did a 180. Wow. Said he's going to give half his wealth to the poor. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, Plus, my. he's going to pay back the people. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. I don't have to believe that. I saw it. One evidence of whether or not people have really trusted Christ is how completely they trust Him with their money. True generosity is a quality that only Jesus Christ can give. What kind of evidence of generosity is in your life? Read Zacchaeus' story in Luke 19 and ask yourself this question. Do things own you or vice versa? Luke chapter 19 gives us an idea, a thought from the pages of Our Daily Bread. All right, we're back here, British Israel Radio, the nation's identity station. My name is Peter Salemi, and I am pastor and president of the British Israel Church of God. Now, again, if you want to find out what really happens when you die, do you go to heaven, or is there something else? Do you have an immortal soul? What does your Bible actually say? Now, I urge you to read our booklet, You Shall Surely Die. Log on to our website, britishisrael.ca, and read our booklet, on that very subject and you will have your eyes opened to the truth and you will not fear death anymore when you understand what the Bible actually says happens to you when you die. So I urge you to read that booklet online on our website BritishIsrael.ca. Again, now the, I'd like to mention again that the Feast of Tabernacles is upon us and there are some feast sites that are on our website. If you want to take a look at that, you want to join the Churches of God in celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles on our website, BritishIsrael.ca, on the uh, festival section, and you will see the Holy Holy Day calendar. You will see a couple of links for the Feast of Tabernacles. A few Churches of God there have some feast sites all around the United States and Canada. If you want to join them in celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, what is the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths? In Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, in verse 34, God says here, Speak unto the children of Israel and say, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Eternal. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It's a Sabbath. As it says in verse 38, besides the Sabbaths, plural, of the eternal, there are weekly, there is the weekly Sabbath, and then there is the annual Sabbath. And they're called Sabbaths of the Lord, the annual and the weekly Sabbath. So these are Sabbaths. It says, seven days you shall offer the offering made by fire unto the eternal. This is the sacrificial offering that was made during that festival time. And it says in verse 39, Also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, it was also called the festival of ingathering, the festival of the harvest, where the harvest was brought in. And when you have gathered the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast unto the eternal seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you shall take you... On the first day, boughs of the goodly trees, branches and palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and the willows of the brook, 
and you shall rejoice before the eternal seven days. And you shall keep it a feast unto the eternal seven days in the year. And it shall be a statute forever in all your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. And you shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Eternal. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Eternal. Notice that the Israelites dwelt in booths in the wilderness. These booths are or tabernacles were temporary dwellings that they dwelt in in the wilderness until they received the kingdom of God 40 years later when Joshua brought the children of Israel into their land, the permanent land, the promised land. And the promised land was a symbol of the kingdom of God. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, shows that. So here we see the Israelites dwelling in the wilderness in temporary domiciles, in tabernacles. Isn't it interesting that in the New Testament we see that Christians are dwelling in temporary tabernacles or domiciles in the wilderness, which is a symbol of this world. We are dwelling in temporary booze, which is this flesh, this body, because you really dwell in here. The Bible says there is a spirit in man. That spirit is your mind, your thought processes, where all your emotions are, your seat of emotions and so on, your mind. You dwell up in here behind the frontal lobes of your uh, brain. There's a spirit in man dwelling in there, and it's dwelling inside a fleshly body, a temporary domicile, a tabernacle. And we are dwelling in this wilderness. The Bible says that this world is a wilderness. A wilderness of confusion. There is no fruit. It is Satan's world. Satan is called the God of this world. And what Satan produces is thorns and thistles and not fruit. It is a wilderness that we are dwelling in temporarily until we receive the kingdom of God, which is, of course, the promise that he promised us eternal life, the promised land, the kingdom of God. Notice in John the first chapter, John the first chapter, here is an interesting scripture talking about Jesus Christ. When he was born, where he came from, in verse 1 it says that the word was God. That word, the logos, the spokesman for the eternal, was not only with God, but he was God. Jesus was the Yahweh of the Old Testament. And it says that all things were made by him, verse 3. So Jesus was the creator of the entire universe. And then it says in verse 14, here's an interesting scripture, and the word was made flesh. So he was made flesh, became human, and dwelt among us. That word dwelt should read tabernacled so he was made flesh and tabernacled among us our flesh is a temporary domicile a tabernacle that we dwell on this earth as pilgrims as God says on this earth dwelling in temporary domiciles which is this flesh 
until we receive our permanent home, which is the resurrected spirit body, our permanent home, which is eternal life. 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. Rather, 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. The Apostle Paul writes about this temporary domicile that we are dwelling in, talking about our home, our earthly house, verse 1, of this tabernacle were dissolved. We have a building of God and house, not made with hands, meaning divine in nature, eternal in the heavens. So here we have that eternal house in the heavens that God is going to give us at the resurrection. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Not in heaven, but from heaven, which is going to be brought down to this earth. If so be, that being clothed, we shall be not found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, verse 4, do we groan being burdened. Notice he calls our bodies a tabernacle, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. So here, the Apostle Paul talking about a earthly tabernacle that we groan, that we are burdened, and that we groan for, hope for, that heavenly house that is going to come from heaven and that we are to be clothed in permanently in our permanent home, the promise of eternal life, the kingdom of God. And even the Apostle Peter, when he talked about the tabernacle, he spoke of the tabernacle in this flesh, that he must put off this my tabernacle, he says, as the Lord Jesus has shown me. He wrote that in his letters. In verse 14 of Second Peter, the first chapter, he says this, verse 13 rather, Yea, I think it meet or suitable, as long as, the, as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus has shown me. And then in verse 15 it says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. So when he said, I'm going to put off this my tabernacle, he was talking about his death. The death of the fleshly body and then at the resurrection we put on our spirit body our permanent home receive eternal life which is our promise as John says he promised this eternal life and receive the kingdom of God inherit the kingdom of God and this is the true meaning of the feast of tabernacles as the Israelites in the wilderness dwelt in temporary domiciles and then received the promised land their permanent home we dwell in temporary domiciles tabernacles at this time in a wilderness but then eventually receive our permanent home the promise of eternal life the kingdom of God and we dwell in our permanent homes forever now we don't have a booklet on the Feast of Tabernacles as of yet but eventually we're going to try and do one feast at a time an article on each feast 
and then you could read the spiritual significance of all the feasts one article at a time. We don't have anything on the Feast of Tabernacles as of yet, but hopefully we will do that very, very soon. And this is why, at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Church of God will go away from their permanent homes and dwell in booths, temporary domiciles. A lot of people do it with tents. A lot of people will dwell in tents in their backyard for seven days. Many of the churches of God will go to hotels, places like hotels and resorts, and dwell there for seven days, have sermons in the morning, and then go off and go swimming and fishing and all that during the day, come back for sermons at night, and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days in temporary dwelling places. A hotel is not your permanent home. It's a temporary home. And then, at the end, go back to your permanent dwelling after the seven days. It's a picture of us dwelling in temporary homes and then at the end go back to our permanent homes. And that's what's going to happen in the future when Jesus Christ comes at his second coming. We will receive our permanent home, eternal life, our spirit bodies, and inherit the kingdom of God. You know, rich typology and symbolism in these feasts, it's amazing to me how mainstream fundamentalist Christians do not celebrate these feasts when they're all Christ-centered, New Testament-oriented, and it all points to Christ and the Father, and it's all biblical, yet people will rather celebrate Easter and Christmas, when those festivals, when you look into the origins of those festivals, have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Interesting. I find it very, very interesting that people will celebrate something that has nothing to do with Christ, and then when you talk to them about festivals that have everything to do with Christ, they come up with excuses. Oh, the law's done away. You know, we don't have to keep the law anymore. Jesus said it's done away. Or it's Jewish, you know, or no, that's for Israel. Interesting how a lot of people think it's for Israel when the Bible plainly says that there shall be one law for the stranger and for the Israelite. And that God's law applied to all people that sojourned among Israel. It wasn't just for the Israelite, it was for everyone. God, it is God's laws that he gave to Israel to keep. Notice Exodus, the 12th chapter. In verse 48, it says, When a stranger shall sojourn with you, and will keep the Passover to the Eternal, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Notice the stranger becomes an Israelite when he is converted. And what did the Apostle Paul say in Galatians 3.29? That if you are Christ's, those are converted people out of the world into the church, if you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. They are fellow Israelites. And the strangers that 
convert and want to keep the laws of Yahweh, they become, he shall be as one that is born in the land. He is a fellow Israelite. Verse 49, one law shall be to him that is home born and unto the stranger that sojourns with you. One law for the Gentile and for the Israelite. You find all over the Old Testament Gentiles keeping the sacrificial laws. There you have a Gentiles keeping the Passover. You find Gentiles keeping the Ten Commandments of God, the Sabbath. So these laws are not just for Israel. It is God's laws that he gave to Israel, and people that convert to God have to keep the same laws that he gave to Israel. It's not just for Israel. It's for all peoples. Now, speaking of the Feast of Tabernacles, Zechariah. Let's go to Zechariah, the 14th chapter. Here, another interesting scripture about the Feast of Tabernacles and the Kingdom of God. When this feast is going to be enforced for the entire world. Here is the second coming of Jesus Christ in Zechariah, the 14th chapter. It talks about the day the Lord comes. And it says, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem, verse 2, to battle, and the city shall be taken. Talking about the house, the house is rifled and the woman's ravished and so on. And people shall go forth into captivity. And then it says in verse 3, Then the eternal Yahweh shall go forth and fight against those nations and we, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the mount of olives. Now read Acts the second chapter verse 12. It shows that the apostles came from the mount called Olivet where they saw Jesus rise up into heaven and the angels said men men and brethren of Galilee why do you stand up gazing up into heaven this same Jesus that you saw go up into heaven shall so come as you've seen him go and that took place on the Mount of Olives here we see Yahweh his feet stand in the Mount of Olives which is before Jerusalem on the east and it talks about the huge split that will happen when his feet touch the Mount of Olives. And then it says, in verse 9, Then the Eternal shall be king over all of the earth in that day. There shall be one Lord, and his name one. Then a little later on it says this, And it shall come to pass in verse 16, That everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year, now notice, this is all nations, Israelite and Gentile, shall go up year to year to worship the King, Yahweh of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is going to be enforced throughout the whole entire world. Now it's interesting, people reason... Okay, in the Old Testament, we had to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. In the Kingdom of God, we have to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. But in the what they call the Church Age, we don't have to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Why, all of a sudden, we don't have to keep the Feast of Tabernacles? Where does it say that we don't have to keep the Feast of Tabernacles when all over the Bible it says that we have to keep the Feast of Tabernacles? Again, that reasoning. God's law done away. Really, where does it say that in the Bible? You know, I've searched the Bible through, cannot find where it says that God's law is done away, except I find that 
Jesus says to the rich young ruler, if you are to enter into life, keep the commandments. He didn't say it was done away. The Apostle Paul says that what they call hearsay, so worship I, the God of my fathers, believing all things written in the law and the prophets. That's in Acts the 24th chapter, verse 14, I believe. And let me just turn there quickly and just to confirm that uh, scripture. Yes, Acts 24, verse 14. Jesus says this in Matthew the 15th chapter, verse 17. Matthew the 5th chapter, rather, verse 17. Think not that I've come to destroy the law and the prophets. Yet everybody in the church world thinks he did. Think not that I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. I've come not to destroy, but to fulfill. And now a lot of people think that fulfill means destroy. But he said, I've come not to destroy, but to fulfill. They are antonyms. They are not synonyms. Fulfill means, to fulfill an obligation, is to do it. You know, in Matthew the third chapter, verse 15... He came to be baptized, Jesus, and he said, We must fulfill all righteousness. Does that mean baptism is done away? No. It means to do it. I've come not to destroy the law of the prophets, but to do them. Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot nor one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled, all come to pass. Whosoever shall break one of the least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Those that teach and do the commandments are called the greatest in the kingdom of God. No way you can read into the Bible that God's law is done away. Jesus taught them, the apostle Paul taught them, they all taught that we must keep the laws of Almighty God. And it says in verse 17, back to Zechariah the 14th chapter, It shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Eternal of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Talking about the family of Egypt. That if they don't come up, they will have no rain, there shall be plagues, wherewith the Eternal will smite the heathen, that's non-Israelitish, that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt, and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Can it be any more plainer? And the time setting of this prophecy, it's at the second coming of Christ, the setting up of the kingdom of God, and the heathen must keep God's laws and the Feast of Tabernacles. Isaiah, the second chapter. Here's another scripture. Isaiah 2, talking about the kingdom on this earth. It shall come to pass, verse 2, in the last days that the mountain of the Eternal's house, that's the kingdom of God, shall be established on top of all the mountains, that's all the other nations, and shall be exalted above the hills, those are lesser nations, and all nations shall flow unto it, and many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up unto the mountain of the Eternal, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, 
that's literal Zion and spiritual Zion, which is the church, shall go forth the law and the word of the eternal from Jerusalem. So Christ is going to teach God's law. And he shall judge among the nations, and he shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. So here we have many scriptures about the kingdom of God and how God is going to run this earth. He is going to run it by the very laws that you have in your lap right now, if you have your Bible. This very book is going to be the constitution of the world. The very laws of the entire world are going to be run by that little book you have in your lap. God says so. Do you believe it? A lot of people believe there is a God, but they don't believe what God says. Do you believe it? It's in your Bible. I urge you to pick up your Bible and take a look at it. See what God actually has in store for your future. Let's go to a commercial break. We'll be back with more on British Israel Radio, the nation's identity station. Because this man thought he knew the city, he was confused at the route that the taxi driver had chosen. He began to suggest these alternative routes, but each idea was answered with solid reasoning. The passenger who was in a hurry to catch a plane kept making suggestions until the driver finally said, I will get you to the airport and I will get you there on time. You know the city because you visit here often, but I've lived here my whole life and I make a living traversing the streets. You not because he believed him, but because he knew that his input would not be heated, the man in the back seat sat back and remained silent. Glancing down at his watch as they pulled up to the airport, he realized that he had arrived earlier than he had anticipated when he had left his hotel. Thank you. I guess you did know best. The driver saying, I told you that I could be trusted. We made it, and we made it on time. Remember, you can be sure that if you trust God with your life, you will arrive at your destination, and you will get there on time. He is never early, and he is never late. His timing is perfect, and so is his sense of direction. For more, love. All right, we're back here, British Israel Radio, the nation's identity station. My name is Peter Salemi, pastor and president of the British Israel Church of God. Glad you could join us today on our live radio broadcast. Uh, one more note on the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. Uh, coming up, don't forget that when you do go to the Feast of Tabernacles, God says three times a year, Deuteronomy 16, 16, three times a year shall all the males appear before the eternal thy God in the place where he shall choose in Feast of Unleavened Bread, in the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the eternal empty. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the eternal thy God, which he shall give unto you. So, how God has blessed you during this year, 10% of it, the festival tithe, goes to the church that you are supporting. Of course, that money goes to support the church, just like these tithes went to support the Levitical priesthood, the ministers of God, and those ministers were to help the people in their spiritual uh, life and of course to do the sacrifices and to teach them God's law to do the work of God basically in Israel 
And it's the same concept. These ties go to the church to do the work of God, to preach the gospel, to do the work of the watchman. And so these ties go to that work, the work of God. So don't forget to do that during the time called the Feast of Tabernacles. And to whatever church you support, if you do keep the feast, and if you want to support the British Israel Church of God and give your festival ties to us so we can do the work, that this work can go on, you can do it online on our website at britishisrael.ca, british-israel.ca. Let's go to another song here on British Israel uh, Radio. Here is Ocean by Ten Shekel Chert on British Israel Radio.
that I live forever. I believe that the king will come. So I found this love. Jesus, you're my best friend by Hillsongs here on British Israel Radio, playing for you Christian contemporary music all day long for you here on British Israel Radio, the nation's identity station. My name is Peter Salemi, pastor and president of the British Israel Church of God. Glad you could join us today in our live radio broadcast. And hopefully you're having a wonderful time during this festival time. And, of course, the next festival is the Feast of Tabernacles happening September 26th at sunset is the first of the Sabbath of the seven days, sunset to sunset. The 27th, of course, is the day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And then, of course, it runs all the way down to the last great day. That's the eighth day, the time of the great, uh, symbolizing the great white throne judgment, when all peoples will come before the throne of God and they will be judged out of the books and those books, of course, are the books called books called the Bible. The Bible is not one book, but 66 books. And people will be judged out of those books in the Bible during their time, their 100-year time where they sojourn on this earth and are judged the way the Church of God is being judged now. The Bible says that judgment shall start at the house of God. And that is the Church of God. The Church of God is being judged now. And it's their chance for salvation now. But eventually all men will be judged before the judgment seat of Christ. And they shall live by the laws of God, the way the church of God is living now. And it will be their chance for salvation. This is what the last great day symbolizes during the Feast of Tabernacles as well. And so, the time of judgment is happening right now for the church of God. And it's our time for salvation. And we must live by the laws of God. And this is how we are being judged out of this book. And then we will put on our permanent home. 
And at that time, when we are in our spirit bodies, resurrected bodies, we shall be the judges of this earth. We will judge angels, the Bible says. God will appoint his saints over cities and countries and nations, and they shall be judges in those nations. God's system of judges, there was nothing wrong with God's system of judges at the time of the period of the judges. Those judges were rulers under Christ, and they ruled according to the laws of God. The Bible says that David will be king over all of Israel. The Bible says that the twelve apostles will be the twelve judges, and they shall be ruling on thrones over the twelve tribes of Israel. So those jobs are taken. But what about nations like Africa? Nations like Syria and Lebanon and Indonesia and China and Japan and South America and Central America and so on. These nations need judges. And that is what the job of the Church of God is going to be. To judge over nations. To judge angels. And we'll be judging by the laws of Almighty God. God's way of perfection. God's way of salvation. This is how we will judge the earth. And that great white throne judgment, which the great last day of the feast shows, is the time when all nations will become before Christ, and they shall be judged according to their ways. Their time of salvation. Now I want to elaborate a little bit more on the permanent home aspect of the Feast of Tabernacles.